You're listening to a special episode of the Everything Life Coaching Podcast, Coaching Mastery with Noelle Cordo, CEO of Lumia. Explore transformative coaching concepts, tried and true methodologies, and powerful insights from the front lines of the professional coaching field. Whether you're an established coach seeking fresh perspectives or looking to begin your coach training education, welcome to your one-stop resource for all things life coaching. This is Coaching Mastery. What is a distributed workforce? A distributed workforce is a workforce that is largely virtual and or might be spread out all around the country. This particular topic really came to the fore during the pandemic when everybody began to work from home and as we began to work from home, another thing happened, and that was all of our colleagues joined us. So we had this massive disruption that took place in the world of work where the veil between, you know, keep your, your home life at home and keep your work life at work was really lifted because that wasn't an option. And so today, to support coaches who work internally, to support managers who work as coaches or folks who are in transition. There are a lot of new roles that are being created right now for managers specifically to work in a dual position as coaches. And based on all of the research, the literature, and the trends that I'm seeing in the next five years, what we're really going to be seeing crunching down in industry is two sets of managers. One manager will be focused on productivity and the how we do our work, and the other manager will be focused on the why of purpose, professional development, talent, retention, being a socio-emotional guide through our organization. So the future of work is here, and let's get into it. All right. The world has changed. As I have been speaking about and alluded to even from a few years ago. And what we're seeing right now is that it's a difficult time to be in leadership. It's a difficult time to be a manager. When we look at the stats around depression and anxiety, much of the the public's consciousness was focused on the great resignation and the workers that were leaving and why they were leaving. And then on the other side of the coin, what was largely invisible, but was, however, documented in the literature, is that there's been a crisis of leadership. Um, C-suite and managers specifically are facing rates of depression and anxiety that we've not seen before. And there's a mental health crisis in this arena. Um, Folks who are in leadership and management positions are likely hiring folks for newly vacant positions. They're onboarding new folks. They're also working to create an environment for existing employees that they want to celebrate. And some of the the talking points that managers are being given are um, create a culture of belonging, right? And that sounds great, but many folks are left without the tactical information around how exactly to do that. And that's where coaching skills 
and coaching technique comes in. So if you're a manager and you're feeling pulled in a lot of different directions, you're not alone. And there are a lot of best practices that are right now coming out of the world's best institutions. And we're going to look at them through the coaching lens. So as we look towards the future of work with a hybrid and distributed workforce, the two things that are going to take center stage are communication and connection. I'll say that again, communication and connection. When we're thinking about communication and connection, and we're going to an office every day, and we're in person with people, these types of things tend to flow very naturally. And now with a hybrid and distributed workforce, communication and connection are two pieces of our everyday existence, of our everyday work lives that actually need to be centered, focused on, given some strategy, and cultivated uh, for, with, and between colleagues in order to support the health of an organization. How do we do this? Right? And, and that's essentially empathy mapping understanding our employees' needs. When we take the time to empathy mapping, we're thinking about the person in front of us. And we're thinking about what they see, what they hear, what they think, what they feel, what they say, and what they do. Um, We take a 360-degree tour around the sensory, intellectual, and emotional experience of the person in front of us. Empathy mapping Uh, has typically and has traditionally been used in marketing to think about how a specific consumer is going to respond and behave at a point of decision-making regarding a product that marketers want them to buy. And I find that empathy mapping is actually a really effective tool in employee engagement and in management, especially in tech spaces especially in spaces that use empathy mapping for marketing, because there's already buy-in built in. If you use empathy mapping to care about and consider your consumer, one could posit that it will be very easy to turn the mirror inward and begin to use empathy mapping to figure out what's going on for the people that work for and alongside of you. So according to the Harvard Business Review, that as a leader, the number one thing that you can do is make sure that folks are seen for who they are and recognized for what they are contributing. Those two things are, are separate and distinct, seen for who they are, keeping in mind that when we work in um, the new pandemic landscape, we are going into people's homes. So who are we? in these different contexts? And what are we contributing? And how do we recognize that contribution? I've seen a lot of chatter in the literature and in managerial spaces about really asking folks to make sure that their cameras are turned on if you're in a Zoom-driven environment, to make sure that people get equal visibility, and to make sure that you're carving out a brief one-on-one time with every single member of your team, even if you don't 
interface with that person regularly or it's not a necessary function of your job simply because this will cement the culture of understanding who someone is, what they're working on, what are they contributing. It might be as simple as just asking someone what they've been up to. And the next time you're at a team meeting saying, hey, I want to shout this person out for doing a really good job. Those are the touch points of connection and communication that we have to reconstruct in virtual environments. Listening circles. Listening circles are something that I've been speaking to leaders about quite a bit. And in my experience, when we're thinking about the evolution of leadership, we are, we're moving from hierarchical environments where there's a, a command and control sense of leadership that says, do as I say when I say it. And for folks who have been raised with that as the status quo, with that as the way you rise up through the ranks, it can feel genuinely terrifying to get a bunch of employees in a room and listen to them and hear their concerns, uh, hear what they're up against. And one of the things that I do when we work with organizations is really demystify this concept. Because when we're listening to someone, as we know from the space of coaching, our number one job is to hear and clarify and make sure that we have it right. Listen, clarify, and make sure that we have it right. There's nothing beyond that experience that's required of a leader in a listening circle. And listening circles also create a very nice space for ritual within an organizational or corporate environment. And here's another place where I'm throwing words at this thing that don't normally go in corporate environments. Um, ritual is not a word that typically comes up in corporate environments. But when we're thinking about human environments, human communities, human families, human societies, our world is full of ritual. And it's woven into the fabric of how we uh, experience contentment as a human. And so infusing our spaces, our virtual spaces with aspects of ritual creates structure create space for folks to share their stories, to talk about how different aspects of their life might impact their day-to-day -day experience and giving um, managers and leaders a, a real lens into what their talent is up against. And you gain emotional insights um, as to what your people need in order to be nurtured. And then on the other side of the coin, the folks who are participating in the listening circles gain the emotional benefit of being seen and heard. If you're going to run a listening circle, it can be very simple. What we do in my shop at Lumia is every day we kick off the day with gratitudes. Every single member of our team goes around in a circle and offers something that they're grateful for. This does a lot of different things. Number one, it gets that limbic system to calm down a little bit. It opens up 
our prefrontal cortex so that we're ready to engage and use our strategic minds and learn and grow. And it also gives folks the space to talk about their everyday lives or to um, bring up something that's a blocker for them in whatever way, you know, feels most comfortable. So I can't enforce enough that when we do listening circles, it's a circle, every single person needs to be called on. And that's the most important point as we're thinking about how to do this. Employees are looking for connection. And this is another place where it feels kind of terrifying for managers because oftentimes when folks are promoted into a managerial position, they're promoted because they're good at their job. They're not promoted because they're great at connection. They're not promoted because they're socio-emotional guides. They're not promoted because they're great at developing talent. And all of these things are skill sets that managers need to kind of hurry up and deliver. And at the same time, it doesn't change the facts. Um, the World Economic Forum is the piece of literature that really came out with the booming data on the fact that um, employees are looking for connection. And the way through this conundrum is intentional conversations, creating that space for connection and communication. I'm going to repeat those two words quite a bit, connection and communication. All right. So let's talk about what intentional conversations can look like in this space. Your top performers as a manager or as a leader are the people who are the greatest indicators for you of what's working and what's not. If you have retained top performers over the last 18 months, it's in your interest as a leader or as someone who cares about your organization to understand why, to have those intentional conversations. Why are you here? What's keeping you? What's working for you? What's not? And if you've lost talent, it's in your interest to assess um, the differences and similarities of the people who stayed and the people who've, who've left. When you look at who stayed and what's similar about them and who left and what's similar about them, this will be your Northern star when you're considering aspects of your culture that either need to change or be capitalized on. And that's a tough connection to draw between who stayed and who left and what needs to change or remain in our culture. But I want to make that connection, especially as we're moving into this um, brave new world of distributed work where the rules have, have all changed. Fostering connection is actually simpler than it sounds. And also, it needs to be put into workflow almost as if any other tactical maneuver would be. Holding a larger mission of an organization's purpose can get really lost in a hybrid and distributed team. And you have to work intentionally to build enthusiasm and inspiration around the tactical maneuvers of the day as it aligns with the mission and values of the organization. At Lumia, my own team 
uh, made a request that every time we do something new, leadership take the time to draw the connection between whatever this new tactical maneuver is and how it aligns with the mission and vision and feel of our organization so that there can be that emotional connection up front, especially as we work as a distributed um, workforce. And I am so lucky to have such wonderful, insightful, and empathetic people who ask these questions of me as a leader. All right. So according to MIT Sloan, which is one of the, the, the big publications that has some good stuff coming out right now on management, um, there's an idea that leaders and managers need to create space for employees to make decisions that are in line with the mission and values without oversight. Um, I wanted to highlight this in terms of intentional conversations because this is another one of those spaces where it's gray and this is another space where it's going to be very uncomfortable for folks who are used to command and control leadership. And this is a space where if you're working as a coach, you're going to need to be directly coaching leaders and managers on creating change. So what does this look like? There's such a thing called a locus of control. All of us believe that we have a locus of control, something that we can impact within our sphere of influence. And between managers and employees, um, that locus of control needs to be very clearly defined. So if we're thinking about what MIT Sloan is saying with, with these particular ideas, um, the, they're saying, okay, take a look at your mission and values. Take a look at your North Star. Take a look at the goals that you're driving everyone towards and let people try. Because you're not there, because you're not in the same room every day, folks are going to do their best and they might not always get it right. But if what they were doing was indeed in alignment with the values of the organization and the goals of the organization, a pretty good should still be celebrated. And this goes back to recognizing people for um, their contributions. This is going to be part of self-managing virtual distributed and hybrid teams is letting people try and then course correcting in a coaching fashion where we don't regard things as failures, but as data. And then moving forward in alignment with all that good vision and goals. All right. Employees are looking for progress. And this is another buzzword and fuzzy concept that managers are like, well, how do I, how do I give this to someone? How do I show someone progress? And it's not what you think. It's not like color coding goals and saying, hey, we checked this thing off the list. When we're tying this all back to purpose, ritual, community, connection, and being seen, People want to feel pride in being part of something bigger than themselves. And the trick for showcasing this kind of pride in hybrid and distributed teams is to actually showcase and celebrate individual and organizational achievements. Things that your team can take to their friends and families and say, look at this write-up. I'm a part of this organization. I'm a part of this change initiative. I'm a part of this march towards our future. 
So celebrating the individual in alignment with the values and then celebrating the actual values and ta-da's of the organization is what's going to help people attach to looking for progress in their work. When people feel personally connected to organizational outcomes, um, employees have an easier time feeling that they work for an organization who supports them in bringing their whole selves to work. And that's really important. Um, We're experiencing a shift right now around this concept of the whole self. There was um, a generational or kind of life phase divide that took place where anyone over the age of 40, I'd say, grew up with the hierarchical values of, you know, you keep your life at home and you bring your, your work self to work. And then this shifted with the pandemic. As I've said, as we were literally coming into each other's homes and so much was being exposed in terms of systemic inequality and the world got to a place, thankfully, where collectively as a species, we can no longer look away. And so this has directly impacted the world of work and saying, well, what does it mean to bring my whole self to work? And so this is where we tie our personal values to the values of the org, to the progress of the org, alongside of those personal tactical wins. Employees are looking for development. When I mentioned uh, celebrating the pretty goods and giving folks space to try and then make decisions and then come back to the table and reflect and see what we learned and try again, so long as we're in alignment with organizational values, this is what development looks like. Giving folks space to be independent thinkers, self-manage, and become future leaders themselves is done through trial and error. It's interesting because this is really industry specific. So as a coach, I actually cut my teeth in the tech space. And I was part of a project and Lumia was part of a project a very long time ago where we were working on um, app development for, for folks who were recently diagnosed with HIV. And one of the things that was really fascinating about being a coaching firm inside of a tech space is that failure is celebrated. Trial and error is absolutely celebrated because when you're building something using systems design theory of building your way forward, when something fails, you've gotten a ton of data to work with. And that's a really healthy way to go about problem solving as long as we're in alignment with mission and values. But not all industries have caught up to this premise. This is why we're seeing large organizations, many are running agile, which is um, which which comes from tech adaption to get people to think and align to a decision-making hierarchy. All right. Agreements and expectations. So from a practical perspective, if we're asking folks to try and we're asking folks to move towards a more unsupervised work arrangement, uh, what we need to do is everyone needs to get together and agree on appropriate and visible 
incentivization systems. Work silos are the enemy of functional self-managing teams. I will say that again. Work silos are the enemies of functional self-managing teams. When we have transparent, appropriate, and visible incentive systems, everyone can self-manage through the process of trial and error with support from that manager for either the how do I do it or the emotional try of the ask. Implicit in all of this is the way that employees feel at the hands of leadership. MIT Sloan cites that the top two elements of culture that matter the most to employees are feeling respected and the feeling of being supported by leadership. The feeling of being respected is very important. This means dignity, courtesy, consideration, that their perspectives are taken seriously. This is why listening circles are so effective because literally everyone is given the opportunity to speak and express their ideas. Even if those ideas aren't adopted, they're still given space to be heard. Storytelling very much supports the feeling of respect for employees. And then the second thing is being supported by leadership. And this means that employees want leaders to help them, to answer their questions, to respond to their requests, to offer encouragement, and most importantly, to have their backs. This is where that piece of somebody tried, they gave it a really good shot. They maybe didn't nail 100% what we were looking for, but I have their back. This is my employee, and I'm going to support them in their effort, and we're going to reflect, learn, grow, and do it again all together as a team. Um, the emotional connection that is required for this undertaking, especially in virtual environments, is really specific. One of the things to consider if you are a leader or if you are coaching a leader or a manager in this space is how do people experience you? as a leader? How does your team experience you as a manager? And taking the time to either get feedback or really reflect and answer those questions will give you the information that you need to understand how you need to turn those dials in terms of leadership support. And as a leader, I can tell you firsthand, this is hard. It requires humility. There is no crystal ball. And course correction, learning and reflection is absolutely, absolutely key to this skill set. All right. So, as employees are looking towards the future of work, respect and support are the best predictors of employee satisfaction. And this is ahead of compensation and work-life balance. Um, there used to be an idea that if we pay people enough and we have this work-life balance, then employees will stay and work for our company. And that's absolutely no longer true. It's how people feel that's really turning the dial in terms of attrition. And the good news is that respect and support are just 
human skills that we all have access to. And success lies in the intention and the strategy in pursuing that connection, reinforcing that connection, reinforcing shared vision, celebrating progress and moving everyone towards a little bit greater of a state of independence. Thanks for listening to Everything Life Coaching. If you're feeling the draw to become a coach, head to lumiacoaching.com slash everything. Explore a new career that brings fulfillment, gives you a true sense of purpose and a bold community to do it with. Lumia is ready to equip you with the tools, training and community you will need to reach your goals. If you're ready to build a unique coaching business on your own terms while making an impact on the world at large, Lumia is the next bold step in your coaching journey. That's lumiacoaching.com slash everything. And hey, if you're waiting for a sign, this is it.